Welcome to the Ignatius Press Podcast. I'm Mark Brumley. I hope you enjoy the discussion in this episode. For more information about Ignatius Press, check out our website at ignatius.com. Okay, here we are. This is Ignatius Press. Uh, I'm Vivian Dudro. I'm an editor at Ignatius Press, and we have with us two authors of a new book, Ryan Hanning and Tom Peterson, and their new book is The Willpower Advantage, just out from Ignatius Press, and we're going to talk about this book. And first, I think the listening audience or watching audience would like to know a little bit about who you two are. So Tom, why don't you just give us a brief sketch about who you are? Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm uh, a grandfather of seven as of this Saturday, so I have to brag about that. Uh, praise God. Uh, Ryan and I believe that having, uh, if we can't bring Catholics home, and I run a ministry called Catholics Come Home, that will just have more Catholic kids and grandchildren. <laughs> Ryan has 10 children. I have seven grandchildren, so we're bringing more Catholics in the world. Um, you may recognize my name from our apostolate, Catholics Come Home. I have a TV show on EWTN every Sunday and Monday night uh, by the same name. And we've helped over, I think, 40 archdioceses and dioceses, some in California and other places uh, throughout the country and many in foreign countries, uh, inviting, oh gosh, millions of people home to the church and about a million have taken the diocese up on that invitation and accepted that calling from the Holy Spirit. Um, I also have a pro-life apostolate called Virtue Media, and Ryan and I jointly started a brand new one called AmenAlleluia.com, in which the Willpower Advantage book is a key central part of that new apostolate, Amen, Alleluia. So um, that's kind of the background. I had a spiritual conversion on a retreat about 30 years ago to change my life. God called me to use my talents in communication and advertising, and I've had an adventure ever since. Very good. And Ryan, how about you? Yeah, so I always introduce myself as a, a father of 10, husband of one. <laughs> we live out here in White's Creek, just north of uh, Nashville in Tennessee. And uh, I'm a college professor. I teach theology. And I also have the opportunity to work with you know, amazing apostolates. And Tom and I have been dear friends uh, for, for decades now, traveled the world together. And uh, traveling the world with Tom is, is a unique experience because he is <laughs> he is always an evangelist. I remember going, I literally, I think everyone in Georgia knew who he was. I think everyone you know gave him an update on how they were praying and whether they're back home at mass. Uh, but we've had a lot of fun together, and we're really excited about this book. That you know, very often, I mean, we tell people, and it's true, we wrote it for ourselves. You know, as 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 men and as fathers, as husbands. Um, you know, with our responsibilities to our children and grandchildren, as Tom mentioned, doing our part to keep Social Security solvent. Uh, you know, this is the advice that, that we ourselves too need to hear uh, as we seek to grow in virtue and align our will with God's. Okay, so now you've led right into what the book is about, uh, seeking virtue in order to align our wills with God's. And how does this book help people do that, Tom? Well, uh, I'll, I'll take one step back. I like the subtitle. Uh, which is building habits for lasting happiness. Uh, I'm a real practical guy. Ryan is the theologian, and I think we made a great team uh, because Ryan, I'll, I'll give the overall overview of things, and Ryan puts the meat on the bones. But through simple, easy to understand stories, some of the spiritual truths can be very uh, much more digestible and easy to understand by the average reader. 
Um, I think the, the book is main, the main focus of the book is designed for us to find happiness by living God's will. But most of us don't know how to do that. Uh, and I think the prime example of that is a little, um, a little story I tell about coming out of the confessional one, one day and hearing the priest say in absolution, go and sin no more. And I said to myself, well, how am I supposed to do that? I live in Atlanta and the traffic is quite heavy and I get quite twisted out of shape when I'm in Atlanta traffic. Um, so it began a quest of finding a way to see where I stand with God and how can I over overcome those vices in my life to be more virtuous and find more happiness. Uh, so I called uh, Dr. Hanning, Ryan, and uh, said, you want to work on this with me? And lo and behold, uh, he said, yes, uh, thanks be to God in his spare time with his 10 kids and homesteading on a farm. Uh, and that's how the whole book started to help other that I meet at conferences, parish missions, and I've done, I think, 500 around the world. Uh, you know, you talk to people afterward and they're all trying to find happiness. They all have burdens and struggles. They all need a hand up and they're not sure how to get there. Uh, there are fewer and fewer spiritual directors available. Uh, so we decided to write this book, not as a self-help book, but as a book to say, how can I allow God to help me more? And it's well, for each personality and temperament. Right. I was going to move into that, that there's a lot of books out there about virtue. But one thing that's unique about your book is that you start with this self-knowledge uh, with the spiritual audit. And I don't know if people can see this, but it, it helps the person identify uh, their temperament and then understand the strengths and weaknesses that are inherent in that temperament and then how to build on that with uh, uh, building habits, good habits. So uh, Ryan, why don't you explain a little bit about what, what, what's the genius behind the spiritual audit? Yeah, you know, St. Augustine says so beautifully, right? Know your faults and, and thus live, right? And the idea is you, we have to know ourselves. And by knowing ourselves, we can start to ask the deeper questions of what am I gonna do about it, right? And we know that grace builds upon nature. So the truth is, is God does not want to overcome us. God wants to, to lead us and help us to cooperate with his grace to become the person he's made us to be. So the spiritual audit is that sort of first step to look at what's my natural sort of biology? How did God make me? What are my innate tendencies? And classically in philosophy, you know, there's four temperaments. You know, people who typically are motivated by action would have the, the choleric temperament. People who are motivated by people and relationships would have the sanguine temperament. People who are motivated by harmony or organization or peace would be called phlegmatic. And people who are motivated by ideas are called melancholic. And those, those temperaments, one of those four temperaments, most people fall into. And that's just the foundation. Those are the natural inclinations, natural tendencies. And of course, upon that foundation, you know, your character is built and that leads to your personality. And so what we wanted to do in the book was we wanted to give people sort of self-knowledge from the wisdom not just the philosophers, but also within the life of the church. St. Augustine picked up on this, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Albert the Great, St. Catherine of Siena. Saint, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of saints who use this knowledge of God's grace builds upon our nature. And if we understand our nature better, understand who we are as God made us, we can start to think about our strengths and weaknesses. And the way we like to describe this is that if we know our temperament, we know the sort of the raw material that God made that he's going to build our character and personality upon and we know the strengths that come with it and the weaknesses the strengths of course that then we're called to participate with to to turn into virtues those habits that lead uh, to lasting happiness and of course those weaknesses that if we're not careful left unchecked can quickly turn into vices that rob us of peace and joy 
So the spiritual audits are really practical. It's very simple to take. We work with a great team of pastors, theologians, and psychologists as well to say, how can we help somebody understand themselves and then also reflect on the virtues they need in their life? And then from there to be able to go right into sort of the self-discovery of, wow, here's the virtues and here's how I can apply them in, in a really practical way to my own temperament. Right. And so after the spiritual audit in the book, then you have the book divided into a chapter for each of these important virtues or good habits that people need to cultivate. And Tom, that's where a lot of the storytelling comes in, right? It does. And I think I'd like to something Ryan just said about the temperament. I think an easy way to understand it is like a double-edged sword. On this side of the sword, God gives us talents, gifts, temperaments. So for example, if I'm uh, given the gift of communication as an as a eloquent speaker, that's a gift from God. But we talk about how the devil and his minions come along on the other side of the store, sword and try to hijack that very gift from God. So they'll use that and they'll ride that horse to say, uh, tempt me or somebody wired like me with my temperament to use that tongue as a cutting tool, as a sharp, uh, sharp edged sword if I'm in traffic and somebody cut me off. And so that's the beauty of the book and of the spiritual audit to take both sides of that and to understand not only the gifts God has given us, but how the devil and his minions will try to hijack those very virtues and turn them into vices. And the book has been divided into several sections about how to do that and how to take it the next step further. And the stories are just a practical way for us to understand how God's working behind the scenes, but we don't always see it. And the most common story that people love is the one about the man who was shipwrecked. And he was on a deserted island. He had a little hut and he kept all of his goods safe there as best he could. But one day a thunderstorm came up and lightning struck his hut and it burned it to the ground. And among all this fire and smoke, the man cursed God and said, how could you do this to me? Uh, upon reflecting that he needed God more than ever because he had nothing material left, he, he repented and said, God, I need you more than ever. I'm sorry. Within two hours, a ship came by and rescued this man off the island. And when the man asked, how did you know I was here? I've been here for a long, long time and no one found me. The crew said, we saw your smoke signal. You see that very lightning strike and the smoke that was coming up, burning his stuff, he thought was a negative when God was using it as a, a way to rescue this man. So it's the darkness before the dawn. And that's one type of story we tell uh, to exemplify a biblical spiritual truth. Well, and speaking of biblical, uh, also you have a lot of quotes from the scriptures. And Jesus himself was a great storyteller. And so you have a lot of these parables. Uh, Ryan, do you have a, a favorite uh, a chapter in the book where, where you um, quote from Jesus's parables? Yeah, so you know, for each of the virtues, we not only give a sort of the classical definition and then also a very practical one, we dive into scripture then and say, here's how Christ himself lived this virtue. Here's what Christ taught about this virtue. And then we align that virtue with the Beatitudes too, these, these, these ways that Jesus told us that we'd actually find our lasting happiness. And then of course we offer some practical advice um, to grow in these specific to your temperament. And for myself, I think, you know, when we looked at the various parables of the Lord, one of the things that struck me is you know, I, I've had the opportunity to teach scripture for years. I teach theology um, and I teach also classical philosophy and, you know, Jesus used very earthy themes, right? Very agrarian. And now over the last you know, few years living up, uh, 
you know, on the land. And I literally have to separate the sheep from the goats. <laughs> you know, I was up this morning doing an interview uh, while I was moving my cows. Um, you know, Jesus did that because he wants us to understand, right? The reality is, is God doesn't make himself hidden from us. God presents himself to us, but because he's a loving father, he presents himself to us in a way that, that we can understand and reciprocate, that we can respond to. And, and so for myself, I think one of the things that I took away from all of the parables as I reread them in scripture and as we present them in the book is that God wants to communicate his will to us and help us to align our will with his. And so often we think that God sees us as a problem to be overcome, but the truth is God sees us as a beloved son and daughter that, that he wants to call to cooperate with his grace, right? To, you know, I, I share the story that you know, every time I pray for patience, God who has the power to infuse me with patience doesn't. Well, what does he do? He puts me in the longest line at the grocery store or the slowest lane of traffic. He gives me the opportunity to participate and cooperate with his grace to actually build that virtue. And so, so many of the stories uh, that we share from our own lives uh, and from scripture really attest to this fact that, that God is, is trying to help us become the person he's made us to be. Well, that uh, slow lane in traffic and long line at the grocery store is kind of like the lightning strike burning the hut, right? That God is using everything in our lives, uh, uh, things that we perceive as negative, but in fact, if we turn them over to the Lord and let him work, they can be the very things that build us into the people he intends us to be. And I have to say that the other thing about this book that you say over and over again, it's very aspirational in the sense that you keep putting before the reader um, you know, the thing, the person you want to be is the person God wants you to become. And that's why you're here. That's what you're doing here. That's what his grace is working in your life to do. And you have to just cooperate with it. And part of that cooperation is to start to see these situations a little differently, right? As opportunities to grow in virtue. So, that I think that's another genius of the book is that there's a it it shows a very um, deep understanding of what makes a person happy, doesn't it, Tom? Well, I you know I I had a, a breakfast uh, occasion with Dr. Peter Kreeft, who's written I think seventy eight books. He's an incredible Catholic philosopher at Boston College, and I asked him one time. I said, "God's got me speaking to people and communicating to them through our evangelicals on." national and international television, you know, what do you think people are looking for? And he says, they want to be happy. They're not happy. And so Ryan and I went on this quest and how do we find happiness and how can we share that with others? I think a prime example of that on the patient's uh, end of things is when we really surrender to God's will and we do things his way, instead of me getting bent out of shape in traffic and cursing at people and having another occasion to drive to the confessional, uh, isn't it cool how God will give us that grace in our hearts where we laugh? We literally laugh with joy when we see that big line of traffic. And instead of being an opportunity to get all bent out of shape and angry, we actually laugh at it. And isn't that more uh, hopeful and more reassuring and more joyful than getting all bent out of shape? So I think at this time, and it's providential that the book was prepared and written before the pandemic, it literally... Uh, came at a perfect time because people are looking for joy. They're looking for hope. They're desperate. They see the problems in our church, the problems in our world, the fighting. Uh, they're miserable either because of financial situations, not being able to interact with people, not having freedom, not being able to go outside. 
There's a lot of challenges in our life. And so this book, the timing is absolutely Holy Spirit inspired. Very good. So then after people um, do the spiritual audit and then read through these different uh, chapters on virtue, uh, what they are and how, how to think about them in your life, then you kind of go full circle a little bit, right? And there's another helpful guide in here for the reader. Um, Tom, what can you tell me about this back section in the book that once again is asking the reader questions? I think Ryan should handle that. He knows it better than I do. So I'm going to toss oh, it. Oh, yes. And thank you. Cause I actually met Ryan. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You know, it's, the, the first part of the book we've described as knowing the battle and the second part is sort of knowing yourself. And then the third part you know, moves into then pick the virtues that you that you need to develop. And one of the beautiful things about each of those chapters is it looks at the specific temperament and, and the strengths and weaknesses that come with that to form that virtue. And the last part that you mentioned is really you know, the game plan, right? God's action plan for your life. How can I, for instance, I'll speak for myself, um, you know, how can I, as somebody who's a sanguine and phlegmatic, right, that's my temperament, um, you know, that's not the totality of what I am, but that's the foundation, the, the raw material that God builds upon. Because I'm motivated by people and relationships, but because I also prefer harmony and organization, you know, we titled that particular temperament combo, the diplomat. So the diplomat, you know, that type of, that type of, you know, sort of outlook of the world has some beautiful strengths and some challenging weaknesses. And so given my experience now, given my own character, given the, the ways I've hopefully participated with God's grace, I know there's still things I need to work on. So that last part of the book, it's really practical and in many ways, very personal. And it's probably in some ways the best part of the book. Everything else is just sort of trying to prepare you in a practical way to enter into that final movement, which is this, what are you going to do about it? And that's the fundamental question, right? It's not just enough to know there is a God. It's not just enough to know that God wants you to be happy or that God is calling you to himself. The, the question then becomes, how am I called to respond? And this is the life of a Christian disciple. And so we provide that last part to say, what's a practical plan? So we ask you to, to do things like pick a, a scripture power verse, pick a pick God's word that really resonates with you, right? Um, yeah, I know for me, I constantly go back to, to Philippians 4, 8, where God talks about thinking about those things you know, that are beautiful and good and true, those things that are virtuous and excellent. Um, you know, and, and to start really coming up with some practical tips of what I must do to really grow in those virtues um, and to start really you know, putting aside those vices that will eventually you know, rob me of peace and joy. So that last part is meant to get really practical and provide you with some next steps moving forward that then you can hopefully continue to apply those practical insights and grow in the virtue that you need most to become the, the person that you're called to be, to become, <clears throat> excuse me, the right. father or wife that, you know, your family needs. Right. So this, this section that, that Ryan was describing, the last activity in it for each temperament combination is making your plan where you actually, you know, think about what virtue do you want to practice more and, and how will it benefit you? That's that aspirational element to the book, right? For you to be able to see every step of the way that I'm doing this for my own happiness and well-being, right? I'm not doing this because I'm being scolded and shamed and criticized, but this is what I really want for myself. And then what changes do I need to do? And where are some resources I can find? And um, giving myself even a deadline. As an editor for a publishing company, my whole life is, revolves around deadlines. How about giving myself a few for my personal life? 
Um, and then what scripture, as you said, you know, pick a scripture that maybe you can even commit to memory. Let's face it, our Protestant brothers and sisters are much better at this, aren't they, than Catholics at memorizing scripture and having that be part uh, a kind of of their psyche and, and having that be motivational for them. I think this is a great thing for Catholics to learn to do also. So it's really a comprehensive approach uh, to virtue. I don't think I've seen anything like it uh, out there in bookland. Um, and, and Tom, you started by saying that it's not really a self-help book, but it kind of is, isn't it? I mean, well, you're, it's it's allowing you to dispose yourself to let God help you more and get out getting out of the way. I'm a businessman. I'm a practical guy. Ryan told you about his wiring. I'm a choleric melancholic. So we're absolutely completely wired differently. And that's why we get along so well. We complement each other very well, not only as friends, but as authors. So where I have a strength, I'll put it in. And where Ryan has a strength, he'll put it in. And together we make a good combination. But I want to say something to the listeners right now. If you're wired like me, I want to reassure you that this is not another pain in the neck project for you to do. Uh, if I were hearing this, I'd say, man, I got a world of hurt on my plate now. The last thing I want is more homework. It's not. It's a way to find freedom and joy. It's actually a retreat from the world. And it's, it's a way to kind of say, okay, I don't need to worry about these seven things, but these three things are the things that constantly steal my peace and joy. So let me, uh, like Ryan said, and Justin said, Know thyself and thy faults and thus live. Let me find out who I am, where my strengths are, where my weaknesses are, like an assessment we would do in business, a Myers-Briggs test, a strength finder, that spiritual audit. Then let me find out what I need to work on, how I need to work on it, and then what things are going to motivate and inspire me, sayings from scripture, the power verses, and so forth. So it's a very simple, practical way to find happiness. It is not drudgery. It's not a homework. We really wanted to make it in a secular, friendly way. In fact, I thank Ignatius Press for taking this book because the book cover, as you've shown, Vivian, is not a typical Ignatius book cover. It looks very secular friendly in its coloration, in its styling. The title, The Willpower Advantage, is also a secular friendly title because we wanted to have a big tent to invite in not only devout Catholics who are well on their journey, but those who maybe were falling away those who are not Catholic, and those who are on this in the secular world just looking for happiness. So the book has something for everybody. Ryan gives the real deep meat. I give the stories and the overall skeleton. And Vivian, we have you to thank for putting it together in a beautiful package and kind of taking sandpaper to it all and shrinking it down to be a concise, easy to understand, um, uh, well-organized book. So it really is the work of us three human beings and then the gift of the Holy Spirit to make it an enjoyable read that people look forward to reading the next chapter and saying, I finally have some hope. I figured it out. Through God's plan in this book, I know how to find happiness. Well, I have to say that working on the book, I learned quite a bit about myself and uh, and sort of saw the uh, the spirit at work um, in, in how you've set this book up and how you intended it to, to be efficacious. Uh, I'm sort of a like pilot program and <laughs> because as I was reading it and thinking about how a reader would read it and so on, it really, it was like a mini retreat for myself actually. And one thing I wanted to ask, I, I think we only have a few minutes, but how can this book maybe help 
marriages, you know, um, with COVID and everything, families are spending an awful lot of time together because they can do fewer things and go fewer places. And, um, you know, uh, this is the kind of thing you'd kind of want couples to maybe do together, don't you think? Yeah, you know, I'd ask all the listeners to think of one question uh, for themselves right now is what would change in your life if you followed God's will more fully? Or what would change in your life if you took Jesus at his word in terms of what it actually means to be happy and the things we ought to seek you know, after? How would you be a better husband or a better wife or a better father, better mother, better better friend? And I think you know one of the takeaways, even for ourselves in writing this book, was that you know the relationships that that are most important to us, our friendships, and of course, uh, you know, our relationship with our wives and, and our spouses, you know, uh, are, are the very grounds in which we work out our salvation. They're the very grounds on which we grow in virtue. And so, you know, to to have a, a married couple be able to to read this and reflect on their temperament, their strengths and weaknesses, and and what it means then to to really seek after growing in those virtues you need to, to become the person God has called you to be. And let's face it, the person the world needs now more than ever before. This has always been one of the unique geniuses of Christianity is that it sees the world as broken, but redeemable. And through Jesus Christ, it has been redeemed. And now we're called to participate in it. You know, early in the book, we share four forgotten truths that God wants you to be happy, right? The Christian life takes work. Grace builds upon nature and you can't do it alone. And you know, being able to walk through this process with with a loved one and with a friend, um, it would be great. And I have uh, some uh, groups doing just that. I, I know there's several uh, groups meeting together and walking through the book and holding each other accountable. And can you imagine what it would be like if I were to say uh, to a deep, dear friend, hey, I need help in this virtue. Can you help hold me accountable to that? You know, I, I gossip too much. If you hear me start gossiping, or even a coworker, you know, what coworker? who has your best interest, wants to say, sure, I'll help you with that, right? So I think you know, the hope would be this starts an honest conversation both in our heart and with God, but certainly with those around us, like our like our spouses and like our dear friends. Do you have any last words, Tom? Well, um, I think I'll go back to one of the famous sayings I quote in my speeches, nobody cares how much you know until you know how much you care. And we put compassion as the first virtue pardon me, topic um, in the in the chapter section, because we all need to learn how to be more caring and compassionate. And I think this book helps us to do that. Uh, we don't always know where to start or how to start. And so I would say that when we learn to love more like Christ, not only other people, but also ourselves to understand who we are, we're not misfits. We're wired in a unique way with strengths and weaknesses. And when we know how to handle that combination and how to improve on that with God's grace and help, uh, we can find more happiness in our own lives and then share that with others uh, by sharing the good news of Jesus. And I'll tell you, one way people can do it practically is buy a case of the books. You know, buy, buy five or 10, give it to your relatives, friends, neighbors, and see how the world will change. Very good. Well, I wanna thank both of you for bringing your book to Ignatius Press and letting us be part of your process to, to uh, bring this to fruition. And, uh, you know, we all look at these wonderful, uh, you know, praise blurbs you got back here from all kinds of great people, uh, Lou Holtz and Bishop Olmsted and Steve Ray and, you know, um, Tom Monahan. you know, a lot of heavy hitters uh, actually uh, are advocating 
that this is a good book. And uh, you must feel pretty good about that, that you got some positive feedback. And we'll all be looking forward to hearing of people using it and reading it and benefiting from it as well. So I hope you'll keep Ignatius Press updated. Um, Ryan, any last words from you? No, I would just say that the, the highest praise I've gotten for the book so far has come from my college daughter and her friends. I had the opportunity oh. uh, to read an early version and to help us think through some of the things and, and you know, to watch people interact with it in the same way Tom and I have, to, to really enter into it as a discovery of God's incredible plan. God wants us to discover the mission he has for our life, and we'll find our happiness in fulfilling that mission and aligning our will with God's. And so for myself, I love, I'm so honored by all the quotes and all the people who have supported it, but more than anything else, that, that my own children uh, would, would inherit this as well and hopefully grow closer to the Lord and have a better understanding of who they are. Well, I think if young people can, can uh, get something out of this book, that will really be uh, fantastic. Tom, you're about to say something. I just want to add one more thing. I'd be remiss if, if Ryan and I didn't mention that this is part of a bigger apostolate that we started called AmenAlleluia.com. And Amen and Alleluia are the same words in every language. And the whole purpose of this apostolate is to unify people of goodwill in living God's will. And this Willpower Advantage book is the core part of it. But at the website, AmenAlleluia.com, not only can you order a book like you can through Ignatius or at your bookstore or on Amazon, you also have the ability to find a prayer app. You have videos that help you to grow further in these virtues and so forth. So the website, amenalleluia.com, gives you much, much more beyond the book. After the book, you have a place where you can uh, form in community. Well, that is a really good place to stop because that'll send people to that website. And I hope also they go to ignatius.com to buy the Willpower Advantage. So thank you both very much for, for joining me and for authoring this wonderful book. May it do much good. All glory to Amen, God. hallelujah. Amen, hallelujah. That's right, baby. God bless you all. God bless. Thanks so much. This podcast has been brought to you by Ignatius Press. We encourage you to check out our books and videos at your local Catholic bookstore or wherever else books and videos are sold. You can also sign up to receive special discounts on books and videos at ignatius.com. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please like the podcast on the website or app from which you listen to it. And please tell your friends about it. I'm Mark Brumley, and on behalf of everyone at Ignatius Press, thanks for listening.